if, uh, if you haven't seen the message, if you weren't here two weeks ago when I, when I preached about the invitation to the throne room, or which is what I called it, but it's, it's essentially about a shift in where we're going as a church, and it's that it's all about him. <laughs> it's always been about him plus us a little bit. But I just want to make sure our church goes to more about him and less about us. Whilst it's still going to be about us, because I mean, we're not stupid, right? I'm not, I'm not pretending like we're not, we don't have needs. and We all have needs, right? We're, we're, not, we're not pretending that we don't need fellowship and that we, we don't need, that, that worship doesn't affect us and, or prayer that isn't about us to some extent too not pretending any of that right but what i'm saying is we need to as a church and i think the church globally needs to just say it's more about him than it is about anyone else and uh so if you haven't checked out that message that is on the website you can go check it out and the audio actually worked for the first time in like 12 months properly (laughs) It's th- you can hear the other messages, but they're just, you know, it's soft and, you know, the, it's, it's working now. Hopefully it's working again today. <laughs> um, that is going to sh- shape a lot of what we do. It's going to shape the messages. Hopefully that's shaping today's message as well. Um, and uh, while, you're, while you're doing that, how about you turn to uh, Luke? Chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at uh, verse 18 and a few other things as we go. My heart is, uh, is, f- is full, of, uh, full of things I'd love to share today, but... Uh, practicality and uh, we don't want to be here for three hours four hours but uh, also our brains probably won't cope with that much information anyway and I'll probably not cope with the (laughs) the physical aspect of being we don't want that but so I'm going to try and I'm going to try and be led by God as as we uh, as we navigate a few things there's about 10 things I want to share but there's only about two things I'll probably share today Verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. This is a story where Jesus is led into the, some, some, some translations say he was driven into the, into the desert by the Spirit. And this is, this is that moment where we see that he's there for 40 days and he drinks nothing, he, he eats nothing, and then some, you know, somehow miraculously survives that in the desert. And obviously at the end it says he was hungry. And the devil comes and tempts him a few times, and you probably heard a few messages on that. But this morning I really want to talk about choices. It's kind of about fasting. And I think the Lord is going to lead us in that way at some point in time in the near future but I don't feel like he's leading us there at the moment I don't think you really want to go into a 
significant fast without being led by God to do that? I mean, I'm not saying, you know, Monday fast or something like that. You know, you can probably do that without any, <laughs> without any dramas too, really. But, you know, for 40 days, if you're led by God, you need to be led by God to have go for a 40-day fast, don't you, all right? I mean, just, I'm just thinking physically, you know, well, gee, that's, that's got to be tough, you know. You want God on that. But, but I really felt like God was, was wanting us as a church, because you know how he takes us on a journey? He doesn't just go from here to boom. I mean, sometimes he does that, but most of the time he takes you on a journey, and I feel like he's taking us on a journey about choices. And I think fasting... If you stretch it out a little bit, you know, obviously fasting is about food, but fasting is also about choices. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your time? The idea of fasting is not just to not eat food. It's, it's about setting aside some time where you would otherwise be doing food. And saying, I'm going to give that to the Lord. Like, when, 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 when you do fasting, it's coupled with prayer, isn't it? It's not just fasting. It's not just a, a healthy thing to do. Intimate fast, uh, 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 intermittent fasting is, is seen by science now as a, a really beneficial thing to do for your body. But it's not just about that. It's actually saying that time that it would take to prepare that meal and then eat it, I'm going to use to honour the king. Or I'm going to use that to pray and intercede for babies that are potentially going to be aborted soon. I'm, I'm going to pray and intercede for my cousin who doesn't know Jesus. I'm going to pray for that that loved one who's, who's not well during that time. And, and I think, this, and this is a message for young people. <laughs> this really is a message for young people as well as all of us in the sense that I feel like young people have s- way too many choices. I don't mean like they have way too many choices like, oh, there's a buffet line of, you know, food, and yes, that's the case. But I mean, they can fill up every moment of their day with something relatively fun. I mean, what I used to say when, when I was a kid often was, Mum, I'm bored. <laughs> How many of you have <laughs> spent half of your childhood saying, Mum, I'm bored? <laughs> I remember being stuck, you know, like, waiting, you know, waiting for the bus or, you know, waiting for dad to come pick me up. And I would just sit there. <laughs> like dad was, you know, still 15 minutes away. I knew it was going to be 15 minutes away. Because, you know, you got off the train and there was no phone to say, hey, dad, I'm, I'm, I'm five minutes away. Can you come to the train station now, pick me up? It was like you told him that morning, oh, you know, as you left at nine o'clock, you said, well, 4.45 is when the train's due back. But you got off early and you caught the, the train a little bit beforehand, right? Do you know what I mean? The last train was running a little bit late. You got in there early, fantastic. And then you took the train back and you got back 15 minutes early. And what did you do while you're waiting for your dad? 
interested there. Occasionally you look at some people going past. Not in a weird way, you know, just, you know. <laughs> right, so, so, so you, but, but there was opportunities really to think. There was opportunities at that moment. Maybe I could connect with my God, you know, I'm, I, I didn't as a kid do that. But now what do you do? Quick, grab your phone. Better check Facebook. How's my TikTok going? <laughs> I just learned this week that one of our youth group members is, is like TikTok famous. What is TikTok? You don't want to know. <laughs> All right, but TikTok, <laughs> TikTok is a form of social media, little, little short videos. And uh, she's got 200,000 followers. And I spoke to her about it the other day. I was like, what? You've got 200,000 followers? That's crazy. And then, and then the guy said, because there was a whole bunch of them going in the rock, you know, it was like half the youth group was kind of hanging out in the rock. And, uh, and, and, and they, they said, we've got two famous people here. I'm like, who? And, and, and one, of the, one of the guys has 10,000 uh, subscribers on YouTube. I'm like, are you serious? I said, are you making any money from that? He said, yeah, 400 bucks a month. I'm like, what? Are you serious? I've been working so hard to become YouTube famous for ages. He's made some Minecraft videos. One of his videos has 1.1 million views. And then he goes and gets some shoes for free. I said, charge him for them. Charge him for the shoes. He's got heaps of money. <laughs> but there is so many things that can distract us. Obviously, the phone is the gateway to kind of any kind of information or if you're a little bit bored, there it is, go grab something like that, right? But it's not just that. It's, it's, it's the things like that, we're, even we're doing, you know, we're providing the rock for people so that they have something to do. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing and we've got an ulterior motive, right? <laughs> because we want to see, see healthy families being connected with, with God and being connected with our church. That's why we're doing it. But there still is an opportunity to have our focus change. And so even for our young guys who are into the rock, who are part of our church, it can become about climbing. And I'm not saying climbing's bad, and I like to climb. For me, music is an issue. I don't mean like it's music bad or I'm sinning when I'm with my music or anything like that. I'm not listening to Metallica or anything like that. <laughs> I went to a Metallica concert when I was 16. I didn't even know who they were at the time, but my friends were all going. I'm like, okay, cool, I'm going to go. Oh, my goodness. I hated it. Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> anyway, I'm a, I'm, I'm, there's no judgment on that. I'm just, I'm just saying I hated it, right? But music for me can be a distraction. When I'm worshipping God, music can be a distraction. But also outside of that, just music in general can be a distraction for me. I love to write music. And I really believe I'm gifted at that. I can write a new piano piece of music in, you know, five minutes. 
It's not, it's not difficult for me because God has given me that ability to do that. But it becomes a distraction. When I was 18, 19, 20, when I was you know, leaving high school and kind of trying to work out what I was going to do in my life, God, God was always there. Like He always had a plan. But you know, as an atheist, I wanted to be Australia's greatest jazz piano player. So I practiced eight hours a day and then taught music and then did gigs on the weekend. And the piano was my God. Because the piano was first. The piano was first over my family. The piano was first over God. Well, God wasn't even in really in the picture from, from my point of view, not from his point of view. Because I gave, I gave my heart to him when I was seven and I said I wanted to be the, the minister. When I was seven years old, I said I wanted to be the minister and the organist. And some of you have heard that story before. <laughs> but mum said you can't be. You've got to choose one or the other. That sounds fair enough, right? Doesn't it? You know, and then and then uh, and then the church that we were going to, uh, the minister left, and so did the organist. I don't think they had an affair. <laughs> uh, but the the minister left, and the organist left. The, the new the new minister came, and because there was no organist, and he happened to play organ, he would. And this is this is a, 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 a hymn sandwich kind of church, right? Do you know? Do, do you guys un- know what I mean by the hymn sandwich? All right, hymn something else, hymn blessing, hymn offering, hymn Bible reading, hymn message, hymn communion, hymn get out. Right? That's <laughs> that's the hymn and a blessing as you go <laughs> as well. <laughs> and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, we don't do that, but. Um, it's a beautiful thing, you know. When, when God is worshipped throughout the whole service, it's that's a beautiful thing. Um, but you can you can see the logistical nightmare if you didn't have an organist, but the minister was the organist. But the minister would literally do his his stuff. He'd break the bread for communion, do the stuff, and then he'd run down as everyone's taken communion. He'd be playing the organ, and then he'd run back up and preach his sermon. And at the end, you'd play play a piece of music so everyone could walk out of the church. And mum said to me, you can do whatever you want, Glenn. <laughs> and here I am some many years later where pretty much that's what's happening. So even though I didn't think about it, God had never forgotten. Because it's all about him. He's got you. He's got your family. He's got your kids. You brought them up. You brought them up and you told them about Jesus. He's still there. He's still drawing them in. Even when they say nothing to you about it. Even when they say, Dad, oh, you know, don't talk to me about stuff. He's still working on them. He's still working on them. He is still working on them. But the problem that I find with the, when we're talking about these distractions is that it's so easy to not be saying you're my number one you're my number one it's so easy for churches to not say like you would never say you would never hear a church say god is not number one but 
the actions of a church, where the budget is reflected, will tell you a different story. So a, ch- a church could be, you know, focused on, and, and we've all, we all know this, you know, and, and maybe ours has done some of this stuff <laughs> to some degree too, right? But, but you can have evangelism-focused churches, right? And that's usually because the pastor is an evangelist, right? right? Now, a typical pastor that's an evangelist is like, why are we even sitting here? What's the point of being inside the church building? Like, this is ridiculous. We're all saved. What's the point of this? We should be out there doing what we need to do and seeing the people saved. Right? Yeah, there, there we go. Right, so that's why the evangelist is like, come on, let's do it. Come on, what are we doing here? This is ridiculous. My pants are falling down. And so it's, it's just crazy, right? Not the, well, it's crazy my pants are falling down too. All right, but it's crazy. <laughs> but the, the point is, an evangelist just wants to be out there and do the things that needs to do. And then you have the worship ones where they're just like, we just want to worship, right? And that's kind of where we're heading in some ways. But we've got to be rounded. We have to be rounded still at the same time. But you'll have, you'll have the pastor, pastor. And that church will be all about fellowship. That church will be all about counselling. And that church will be all about, hey, how are you going today? And there'll be lots of hugs. There'll be lots of rubs on the back. And there'll be, you know, lots of, how are you? <laughs> and and, and that's, that's, that's good too, right? But can you see how we can get distracted from the number one thing? And so no one's going to say, oh, our church is all about not God and it's about this other thing, right? But you can tell kind of sometimes what the church is really about just by looking at what's happening. We need fellowship. We need to be reaching out and evangelizing. We need, <laughs> we need to be seeking the spiritual gifts. We need to be trying to develop the, the fruit of the Spirit in ourselves or opening ourselves to that. You can't really make it happen, but you can open yourself to it. But we've always got to be putting God first. And when it comes to choices, there are so, so many. And here's the thing that I believe is going to bring us into revival. Choice is powerful. when there is lots of choices. It is so powerful when there is lots of choices. If Belle was the only woman on this earth, I would choose her because she'd be the only woman on the earth. If, there was, if Belle wasn't around and there was another woman on the earth, let's just be real, I would probably choose her. Sorry, Belle. <laughs> If she's not there, right? What, but you, you just see what I'm saying? Here's the thing. I had thousands of choices because of my good looks, my charisma, and, and my, my personality. How I, can, how I can play the piano. And, and, and I had a, back then anyway, I had a bunch of good-looking hair. <laughs> so I had choices galore. And, 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 and Belle had choices because she was babe of the year in year 10. Choice is powerful. I, I didn't actually have that many choices, but <laughs> but choice is powerful 
in, in when, when there are lots of opportunities. And here it is, this, is th- this time in history is the most distracted time in history, we're talking about at least in the West, the most distracted time in history for young people ever. They can get on devices at any moment. There's stuff happening all the time. Churches, uh, you know, obviously generally run on a Sunday, yet Woolies is open, Coles is open, cafes are open, the beach is there for them at any point in time. Most of these young people get their first job on a Sunday morning. That's the devil's plan. When there was no choice on a Sunday, you may as well go to church. But when you've got millions of choices, if you decide to spend your time honouring the King, if you decide to spend your time in prayer, if you decide to give up food and fast, if you decide to put Him number one, that choice is even more powerful even more powerful. So Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the Jordan. He went full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, full of the Holy Spirit. But he comes out and he's tempted, and, and but it's not the really kind of the point I want to talk about here, just the fasting and the choices that he made. And, he, and it says this in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. There is something about your choices. There is something about fasting that gives you power. There is something about that 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 is the, that that God doesn't just reside in you, but also rests on you. There is something about the choices we make on a Wednesday morning to see if we're going to have power on a Thursday afternoon. When Jesus was casting out a demon out of a young guy and, <laughs> and, and the, the, the disciples couldn't cast out this particular demon out of this young guy, Jesus comes down off the mountain and he just says, you know, they, they, bring, they bring this young boy to him and he, he just casts the demon out. And then he says... This kind only comes out by prayer, and some manuscripts say prayer and fasting. And yet, Jesus didn't pray nor fast at that moment when that young kid was delivered. It wasn't about that moment. It was about his lifestyle. It's about his lifestyle. It's about the choices that he made leading up to this moment. Because he, he just came off the, the mountainside. So it wasn't about praying and fasting specifically for this individual, but it was about praying and fasting and connecting with his heavenly Father so that when the opportunity came, it just happened like that. But without that, that decision to spend time with him, to honour him, to set aside time just for him, They didn't have the power to do this, what would seem like to Jesus did did something quite simply. 
Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Let's make him famous, guys. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and unrolling it he found the place where it's written. Hey guys, this is us. This is our commission. This is every believer's commission. This is who we are. This is what we should do. But it's all of an overflow of putting him first. It's all about an overflow of deciding, God, I'm, you're, you're my number one. God, I'm going to give up this meal to spend time with you. God, I'm not going to watch that Netflix show, which I love because I'm going to get on my knees and pray. God, I'm going to get up early and spend time with you. God, I'm going to go to church on a Thursday night and worship. I've already worshipped this week, but you know. Oh. And this is not a guilt thing. This is an invitation thing. This is an invitation thing. It's, it's not that you have to do this. It's that you get to do this. You get to do this. You get to be invited into this. It's so exciting. I, I, I'm like, oh, this, is, this is so pumped. You know, like inside I'm doing karate kicks. You know, like I'm so pumped about this. And honestly, my most favorite cherished moments have been just when I've been in the presence of God. Sometimes alone, sometimes in a building with a stack of other people. But always with him. Always when my heart turns to him. The spirit of the Lord is on me. The spirit of the Lord is on us. Because he has anointed us to preach the gospel, to preach the good news to the poor. That's not just poor in financially poor, but that's would would include that that's poor in spirit poor in the in the holistic sense of the word he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners again not just people in jail recovery of sight for the blind we need to see we need to see to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. We could replace the word favour with grace there. The Spirit on the Lord is on me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor this was the this was the anointing of the christ if you're a believer you are in him and you've got the same mission as him if you're a believer your name is a christian come on guys <laughs> you're a christian if you're a believer you're a christian which means Literally means little Christ. 
Christ means anointed. So it means you're anointed. And it's the first bit says this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me. If you're a Christian, that means you've been anointed. Christ is anointed. Jesus Christ doesn't mean His last name is Christ. It means He's anointed. The Hebrew is, is Messiah. Yeshua the Messiah. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the Christ. And we've just kind of gotten rid of the sometimes. I'm not really sure why, but it's Jesus the Christ, or we call him Jesus Christ, of course. But what that means is he's the anointed one. So it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. He's Christ to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord. We are anointed too because we are Christians. We are anointed because he has sent us. Like, is that our mission still? That is. Now, don't, don't get mixed up with me saying, okay, we're all going to be out there doing that stuff. We'll do, we're going to do it. You know, like, it's still all about being anointed. It's about being in his presence. And there's an overflow that happens when we put him first. When I leave here today, I hope you guys had a great time. I hope you guys enjoyed the message. I hope you laughed. I hope you cried. I hope you did whatever, you know, like that you're meant to do in a sermon. I do hope that. I really do hope that. But when I leave here and when I pray this afternoon, I'm going to ask God, were you happy with the message? And if he says yes, I don't care. I mean, I'll still care, but do you know what I'm saying? The care factor, it goes right down. Because it's, it's all about him. So when you leave here, the question for you isn't, did you enjoy the message? Or did you enjoy worship? should never be about, did you enjoy worship anyway? should always be about, did he enjoy worship? But your question isn't about me. Oh, God, did you enjoy Glenn's message? That's, that's my question. <laughs> that's what I have to ask. But that's not what you have to ask. You don't have to go, I wonder how, you know, God thinks Glenn's message was today. That's not, <laughs> that's not what... <laughs> but we have to... <laughs> when you go home today, you need to say, God, what is it about today that I need to... What was today about for me? Like, God, what, are you, what, did you, what do you have on your heart for me today? And you can spend some time this afternoon just in his presence and say, God, you know, I've forgotten half of what happened this morning. <laughs> I had a good time and I've forgotten, but Lord, what have you got for me right now? Now, I know that sounds a lot about me, but what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is get you to focus less on what happens up the front and more about what's going on in your own heart with him. You have direct access to him. Don't use that as an excuse not to gather. But that's, you do have direct access to him. And we do have a choice as to what we're going to do. And those choices are powerful in the midst of so many options.
And I think revival's coming. But it's going to happen in our hearts first. If it doesn't happen in your heart, it's not going to happen. It's got to happen in your heart. The prayer that I have for us today is that he would revive us, that he'd revive me, that he'd revive you, that he'd revive us, the church, that he would revive this area. Lord, revive us. Revive us individually, Lord, and revive us, God, as a church. Lord, we're not dead, and we know that. Our spirit is alive. But, Lord, we need more of you. We want more of you, God. And we need to be more alive. We need to be more awake. Church, rise and shine, for your light has come. You are anointed. You are anointed to preach the good news to the poor, to the oppressed, to those who are in prison. You are anointed by the Holy One, by Jesus Himself. He has anointed you through the power of His Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives inside each and, one, each and every one of you. And He rests on us too. But we want more of Him. But we want more of you. God, we want more of you. Come rest on us, Lord. That's not just a song that sounds cool. It is not just a song that we like the melody and the chords. It's the cry of our heart, God, that you would rest upon us, Lord. That you would rest upon us, Lord, this day. And not just this day, but every day. Guys, join in. If you want to be loud, go for it. I, look, we're, we're too quiet as it is. So, so Father, we ask, God, that you, would, that you would send your Holy Spirit to rest upon us, Lord, as individuals, Lord, that you'd rest upon us, Lord, as the church, Lord, and that you would revive us, God, and that you would revive, Lord, this area, this area of Swansea Caves Beach needs to know you, this area of Murray's Beach needs to know you, Pelican needs to know you, this whole region needs to know you, Lord. Don't just revive us as a church, Lord, revive all the churches in the area, God. All the churches, Lord. All the churches, Lord. Lord, raise up. Raise up a people of prayer. Raise up a people of worship. Raise up a people of that would fast, that would declare that I'm going to spend my time in the house of the Lord. Raise up a people, God, where they would say yes to you above everything else. Yes, there's an overflow, but raise up. Raise up a people that put you first, Lord. May this be an upper room, Lord, an upper room, Lord, where we wait upon you, Lord. Day after day, Lord, where we wait upon you, day after day. Holy Spirit, we ask for your comfort, but not above, not above, not above you. We seek your face first and your hand second.
Holy Spirit, would you come more of you? More of you. More of you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm going to be here at 6 o'clock praying and worshipping. You feel free to join me. The Lord is good. His mercy is new this morning. His invitation is fresh. loves you. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, be blessed. May his face shine upon you and your family. Not just this generation, but even the generations we haven't seen yet. May there be seven generations of preachers in your family. In Jesus' name. Amen.